Welcome to the Sloppy Book Club podcast. I'm Jenny. And I'm Celise. And welcome to season three, episode 11. On this week's episode, we are going to do our February wrap up and do a quick review of An Education of Malice by S.T. Gibson, which we're both excited to talk about. (laughs) With spoilers, but we'll tell you when we start spoiling. Yes, we'll do a quick little blurb that will be spoiler free. And then we'll kind of let you know that, okay, if you don't want to know about the book anymore to close your ears or, you know, grab your drink and go. Close your ears. Close your ears. <laughs> just, just fast forward. Yeah. Or come back <laughs> so, later. Exactly. So Jenny has a drink. I have a little drinky drink. Um, We're going to have our drink. We're going to do our wrap up and our review. So grab your beverage of choice and join us all right so I don't have anything out of the ordinary because I didn't feel like opening up a bottle of wine today um so I just made my very very loved strawberry watermelon with a splash of lemon vodka drink Mm. like my favorite thing to drink either with strawberry or watermelon I wish I would have grabbed a a mixed drink. I just had my wine in a can. (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't feeling the wine today, so. So my little rosé in a can. (laughs) It's It's good. Yeah. Nothing too crazy. I, I wish it was like little bottles or, you know, because you do have like that metallic kind of aftertaste because it's like in a can that's weird yeah it has a a weird little aftertaste I wonder if you pour it in a glass oh if you won't think about it so that probably most likely but I'm too lazy to do all that (laughs) and that requires dishes in the end and (laughs) it sure does yes I'm gonna just keep it in the can and just not think about the aftertaste drink that metal (laughs) All right. All right. So we're actually gonna um talk about our February wrap up. Yes. We're not gonna deep dive into it. You can find our reviews on our Instagram, um, the Sloppy Book Club. So we're just gonna kind of mention them and what genre they are. Yes. Right? Yes. Cool. Now, do you want to go back and forth, or do you want to do all of yours and then I do all of mine? Um, I could just do all of mine, so we're not. Okay stumbling over each other <laughs> all right so my first one is a uh, discovery love and other things by victoria woods and this is a sort of mummy not retelling but it has the mummy vibes and it's spicy and it's a romance really good you know i'm not huge huge on romances but this one was a five star for me it was very very good i feel like the theme of it and like the environment made you like it more i feel like yeah. Because was the um, what do you call those people that uh looked for mummies and stuff and like what is like that? an archaeologist or an yes. Egyptologist? Yeah, yeah, that's what I wanted to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I girl. feel like there was like that connection yeah. there that probably there made me like it more. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing was just perfection for me. Um, so then we have Pride and Protest by Nikki Payne, and I have never read. Pride and Prejudice. Mm-hmm. Sorry, but I've never read it. But this is a modern 
Pride and Prejudice Retelling. I found this book really, really good. I have no idea about the references, but it was good. I enjoyed it. Um, Sunset Springs by Kaysen Callender, a small town romance. And this is only on Audible. Um, and it's a novella. It was only like a three hour read. It was really good. I like Kaysen oh, nice. Callender's writing. So, um, my favorite. <laughs> Morning Glory Milking Farm by C.M. Nascasta. It's a monster romance, and I can't even explain to you how many times I giggled in this story. I have to read this book because the whole milking thing, I'm really intrigued <laughs> by because I, forget it. Continue. Yeah, it, it's a super smart concept. It makes sense, and it's hilarious. Mm -hmm. So read it. Um, this one we both read Blood and Brujas by Michaela Ornedo and it's a witchy fantasy. It's the first of her new series. It was really good. Um, Legendary by Ali Shante, which is book two of the Living Legend series and it's an angel demons fantasy. Love that. And then my last one, Tender Beast by Lisselle Sambury, a psychological horror. So you are going to die over this book. I am so, Perfection. so jealous. Every way. Perfect. Even better than Delicious Monsters. Like I'm seriously contemplating going to the store on Tuesday and picking up my copy because I know my copy is not going to come in in time. Yeah. Or just like getting it on Kindle. I don't know. But like, I want to hold yeah. it because I'm so it's, excited for it. This would be a book that I think I would do that for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited for it. It's perfection. I want to read that. Okay. For me, I read This Could Be Us. It's a contemporary romance by Kennedy Ryan. It's book two in her Skyland series, Perfection. I am Kennedy Ryan does not miss. I love all her books. I, I just I can't. started it. You did? Ooh. I'm like a chapter in and I'm already obsessed. Yeah. Obsessed. So good. Yeah. There's a lot of Maybe we can make a, our own little like episode on it because it's just I would so, love to, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to mm -hmm. give it away because it's not out yet. I believe it comes out March 4th or March 5th, sometime mm -hmm. in March, that first week of March. So I'm not going to say much, but it's it's great. Um, I read Feybound by Sara L. Arifi, and this is a fantasy. It has elves. It has fae. Um, there's talk about a, a human kingdom that used to be around, but they've been like gone for over a millennia and it's just really good. Um, the weight of blood by Tiffany Jackson is a YA horror. I know you read this last oh, year. So good. Um, I listened to it on audible and yeah. I feel like that's the way to go. If you're going to try this book out because of the production behind yeah, it, I agree. it's fantastic. Um, like you mentioned, Blood and Brujas, that was a really good fantasy that I really enjoyed. I'm not really a why choose girly, but that was. This was like a good, a good, like light why yeah. choose. Cause usually yeah. like why choose romances, they like hit you hard yes. with like, everybody's like putting it in somewhere. Yeah. And this one was like <laughs> carefully calculated. I guess. Yeah. I agree. It wasn't too much. It wasn't in your face. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um my next one is truthfully yours by Caden Armstrong and it's a romance what's interesting about this one is that the main character is uh neuro neurodivergent I believe that's how you mm -hmm. say it 
Um, and then one of the characters is uh, neurodivergent, and then the other character kind of um, has anxiety. So it was good representation in the romance. Um, another one was Let Them Burn by Camilla Cole. That's a YA fantasy that I really enjoyed. This is something that we're going to have to talk about because me and Jenny don't agree, and I'm, like, shocked by it a little bit. So we might have to talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's one of those like so I've had other books where I've started it I've gone like halfway through and decided that it sort of wasn't for me either mm -hmm. I was bored it just wasn't there wasn't something to capture me or it could have just been as simple as like a character that I just couldn't stand that was like a main part of the story this mm -hmm. one I don't know what it was I just like it just wasn't gripping me. Like I was into I it like sometimes. And the then, audio. Yeah, maybe I will. Because I I I got it on um Libby and that's how I was listening to it. And now I wanna do a tandem read with the physical copy because there are some things like you know, with like an audiobook, you can't like really go back and reference it as well yeah. as you can with a physical book. So there mm -hmm. are things that I, I wanna like highlight or tab that I want to remember for book two whenever that comes out because I need it I hate starting new series for that reason it takes because so long between let them burn and Feybound, like the fact that they're new series and now I might have to wait a year two years who knows like um I you technically you started three first fantasies in a, like a series Blood and, and Blue has let them burn oh and then Faye bound. <laughs> Ooh, why? Why did I do this to myself? That's oh. scary. <laughs> anyway, and then the last one was An Education in Malice by S.T. Gibson, which we will be doing our review for. So yeah, yes. that was everything that I've read in February. And it was a pretty decent month, like a really good, a lot of good ones. Yeah, I had pretty decent month too. Better than January. I think I only read like four books in January, maybe five. Oh, I so, picked up. This was pretty good. Yeah. I feel like I, I read around the same amount. Maybe. Yeah. I feel like it around the same amount. All right. Let's get into an education in malice. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Spoiler free little blurb. Hopefully you like it and you'll go pick it up. Come back and listen to the rest of the episode. So, An Education of Malice by S.T. Gibson is a standalone companion novel to A Dowry of Blood. By companion, it's they're not really connected in any way. There's just like a small little connection to them. Um, so, this one's sapphic. It's a dark academia love story centered around an exclusive elite poetry class. And there we get to see rivals vying for the attention of their professor. Mm-hmm. And it's vampiric. <laughs> yes. And I love that now we're going to go into a little bit of the spoilers. Yes. So if you haven't read it, come back mm -hmm. later. So I love that the like vampire aspect wasn't in your face. And like you kind of, it kind of was like a slow like transition into knowing these like secrets with the professor. So mm -hmm. I love that. I love the pacing yeah. of that. Like whole, like, what is it? 
about the professor that keeps drawing them like into her and like her secrets and like yeah. you know what she's hiding so I love that it wasn't like oh my professor's a vampire and this is what's happening like yeah no, they really didn't know who she really was because she was so secretive yeah and it wasn't like like you know you somebody recommends a vampire book and like it's spicy or whatever like you already know what you're getting into you know they're gonna bite you they're gonna probably have an orgasm while they're biting you like that kind of thing this wasn't anything like that you don't really know sort of like what kind of character trait of a vampire you're gonna get until probably mid to the end of the book I think yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, it was it was pretty far into the book where we're like, oh, okay. Because like mm -hmm. you get hints and clues and you kind of like get the vibe of that, but it's not fully known until a specific scene. And that's when you're like, oh, okay, this is, you know, she is right. a vampire. <laughs> yeah. So you don't you don't get the actual like supporting facts until yes. afterwards. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this one, um, the FMC Laura, she's mm -hmm. from Mississippi. She's a Southern girl aspiring to be a priest, an mm -hmm. epico epicostal priest or something yeah. like that. Um, so she heads to like this inventive all girls school in Massachusetts, which was really cool because we're both yeah. from Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. um, so right from the beginning, we meet her and then she meets this senior, Carmilla, who Laura is like immediately enamored by and she doesn't really know why because we're meeting her at the same time and all we know is that she's just like this mysterious girl that shows up yeah. out of nowhere mm -hmm. um so it's like insta love at least with Laura Laura right because mm -hmm. right? we know nothing about Carmilla so yeah. the insta love it was lusting mm -hmm. and that was it <laughs> mm -hmm. um so we don't really learn anything else about her until we get to the main course that Laura is sort of, or this whole story centers around, which is this poetry class that is run by the professor, Miss Delafontaine. Yes. <laughs> I think that's how I've been saying it I, in my head. And what's I think so that's how I say it. Yeah. And what's so interesting about this poetry like class is that it's only open for seniors and mm -hmm. Laura is a freshman. And yep. she kept writing to the professor, like, you need me in your class. This is my work. And, you know, that drew the professor in and she accepted her into this class. So technically, she's not even supposed to be there. No. <laughs> so that kind of brings on more of like that desire aspect of everything and the obsession, because I feel like that's the huge thing within this book is obsession desire and a need for control mm -hmm. um, I feel loneliness like, yes I feel mm -hmm. like loneliness was like the biggest thing around all three of these women yes and the crazy thing about that too was that how vulnerable they all were in some kind of way because of their loneliness and mm -hmm. not wanting to be alone and like how far would you go in order to not be alone yeah you know, what you're willing to mm -hmm. risk and what right. you're willing to like do, you know, which was amazing. I really, I really enjoyed this book a lot because of it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, 
you know, getting into this poetry class was all Laura wanted to do. You know, she was just like, I need to be here. And so she finally does. And then Carmela is there too. And she meets her there. And I feel like that very first session, they were already, you know, that rivals, you felt it. Yeah, it went from Laura's insta lust to both of theirs like instant rivalness and it was mainly for Della Fontaine's attention mm -hmm. like that that was the main thing it wasn't like oh my poetry is better than yours no it was they were vying for her attention pretty much so which is Della Fontaine you don't really know much about her she's also another mysterious character but you could tell she's super like sort of powerful almost yes. domineering like she walks into the room and everybody's eyes are on her like mm -hmm. that kind of person that, yeah that vibe and person persona um yeah. what I really liked about Laura's character there's a part in the very beginning where she's like finally feeling like she belongs almost and like She's like, okay, Carmilla, you know, sees me as a rival. I've never had someone, I've never gotten the attention from anyone before. So even though it's kind of a negative attention, she was like, she feels compelled enough to see me that way, you know, and yeah. she's never experienced that. And then with getting into the poetry class, she's like, I'm good enough to even be here, even though I'm not supposed mm -hmm. to. So I really love Laura's character de development throughout the whole story. Yeah. Even if it was a toxic one. Even if it was toxic. It was sure. very toxic, but all it was the, good. All three were yeah. very toxic. To the point where I love that Laura was able to see the kinks in like the professor's like armor and see how manipulative she was and, you know, trying yeah. to like save Carmilla from the mm -hmm. professor but also being obsessed uh, with the professor as well because here yeah. she is like okay I'm going to this class I'm noticing these things that are unprofessional within the professor student relationship yeah yet I still want to hold her attention at the same time like it's kind yeah. of <laughs> yeah because you learn like right away that Della Fontaine and um Carmilla's relationship is very inappropriate it's almost like possessive in mm -hmm. nature like she she makes different comments that sort of seem very controlling towards mm -hmm. Carmilla but we still don't know at this point like what kind of relationship they have do they have like a sexual relationship mm -hmm. is it just student teacher like what is it that they're how are they connected and but you see all of those like weird inappropriate sort of mannerisms between the both of them which I really liked, but it was weird. It was weird. I yeah. liked, but um, it's crazy because <laughs> Carmilla, she's like throwing herself at Dr. or Professor mm -hmm. De La Fontaine. Yeah. And herself. And there's a point where she's like, I want to kiss you. Like, and she's just like, nope, that's mm -hmm. not the kind of relationship. Pump the brakes. Yeah, like, <laughs> Which no. was... Which is why it was weird because this whole time you're like, oh, so are they like together or do they have a secret relationship? But Della Fontaine never actually made any oh, sexual no. like encounters with her. It was mostly just the way they spoke and how they spent time together alone. Mm -hmm. 
I guess. Yeah. It was so. attention. It was yeah. attention. You're, you know, she, from what I remember, Carmilla ha didn't have like the best of upbringings either, where she wasn't getting a lot of attention, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So having someone like the professor for her, I can see why she became so obsessed with her and mm -hmm. wanting her. And, you know, it's like when you're too friendly with someone and then you're like, oh, they like me more than just friendship. And I think that's that's where things got blurred for her. Yeah. I mean, the commitment that Carmilla had from flying from across the the world. I think she was from like Austria or something like yeah, that to be in her class. Like it wasn't even just to be in the school. She like was determined to be in Della Fontaine's class. She was. Yeah. But for her, it was the poetry because mm -hmm. why else would she go there? She didn't know her. Mm -hmm. It was mainly poetry. And then like, I really liked um the part where we first, I at least where I first started to notice when Laura and Carmilla started to actually like each other as friends and then Della Fontaine was like, mm -mm. Mm -mm, like, I you know, when they, when they were like running in the rain to yes. get to class, cause they were going to be late, even though they were like making like little jabs at each other, mm -hmm. they were having fun doing it. Mm -hmm. And then they got to the class and Della Fontaine's like, I don't mm. like that, which Go is, there. <laughs> which is so interesting to me because she, I felt like she manipulated that relationship between the two so yeah. much. To keep that rival, like, no, you know, Carmilla's poem is better or Laura and just always putting them against each other. But she's and controlling. Then, and then and then she sees them actually like starting to like one another and be mm -hmm. friends. She's like, no, I don't want that. It's just like, lady, you're crazy. Like, make up your mind. Yeah. What do you want? It's like that she wanted to see that like toxic, like fight back and forth almost for like her attention but then when they were finally getting along she was like no but I also think that's where her past comes into play you yes. know because she had to fight for the attention of the person who made her a vampire and it was always like a cutthroat kind of thing so I feel like that is the only way she knew how to have a yeah. relationship is if you're fighting for it and fighting for that attention, which is yeah. why I understood her towards the end of the book. Because I'm going to be honest, I didn't like her. Same. I didn't like her at I all. I still don't. I think even like oh. with the us finding out exactly why, I feel like that was still such a shit move. Mm. But we'll, we'll get we'll get mm -hmm. to that part. I don't want to like jump all the way to the end, yeah. but like it was still such a shit move and she is a terrible person mm -hmm. like completely yeah. um so then when they start to finally be friends and get to know each other and be a little bit more friendly that's when I think Laura finds out or actually catches Della Fontaine drinking from mm -hmm. Carmilla right yes mm -hmm. so there's another like fucked up moment because she was just like well once once she caught Laura had or saw that Laura had caught them she was like well you're complicit now so I mean I was gonna choose you anyway but you're complicit now I was like bitch 
yeah like wait wait what happened like seriously mm-hmm. how freaking toxic and destructive is that to somebody's like self mm-hmm. that they were just like well you're here anyway so you can't say anything but yeah. I was gonna choose you anyway it's like so- were you really or is it like now I'm a choice because I know your secret mm-hmm. which is sort of why I still don't like her mm-hmm. because it was something similar to what she did to Carmilla towards mm-hmm. the end yeah definitely I just just seeing that like possessive kind of relationship she had with Carmilla was interesting too because she didn't want love from her she just wanted like that attention of not being like you said alone Mm -hmm. and I felt like when having Laura as a rival she knew that she would always come running back to her So when they weren't, you know, when they started to get along, she felt that like, wait, is she going to leave me for Laura kind of thing? And I think that's where the jealousy came in and why she fought so much harder to kind of like keep them separated because she was like, no, you're my, my person. Not only do I want to drink from you, but I want you to come to my house and read me poems. Yeah, it's like like when you have a best friend and then you see them talking to somebody else and you're like, that's my best yeah, friend. That's my or they <laughs> or or the person that they're talking to is like, oh yeah, this is my best friend, so and so. And you're like, you're like, excuse me? Since when? Right. <laughs> it's pretty much the same thing. That's it their really relationship. Was. Yeah. So you know, they start to have feelings for each other Laura and Carmilla and their mm-hmm. relationship is starting to blossom um the professor at first you know didn't really like that but then she's like you said she Laura finds out you know um doctor uh, why do I keep saying doctor was she know. a doctor at some point I don't know but maybe you're getting like the death yeah yeah doctor and death <laughs> something well I know like she, you know, she kind of is like, okay, well, she kind of has to join our duo and now they become a trio. And she's like, okay, now you can start coming to my, you know, house at the end of these lectures and these classes. And all three of them start developing this relationship. But Laura and Carmilla are, you know, getting closer and their friendship is turning into like a romance and that was like a very slow burn and I love like that how they were like rivals first and then they were friends and then you kind of see that that like that passion ignite between the two um and that was really good and I liked reading that it's like a nice little blossoming Mm -hmm. relationship tension between the two of them and Mm -hmm. I I really like the way it played out just because if it was because you know it's marketed as like a sapphic romance and I feel like a lot of people see sapphic romance and they're like oh it's going to be spicy and which is crazy but this Mm -hmm. wasn't like that at all this was truly like just a love story Mm -hmm. almost like a Romeo and Juliet type love story you know where it's like a star-crossed lovers thing because you really don't know like what's going to happen to Mm -hmm. them because it all seems very walking on eggshells like what's going to happen to -hmm. either of them like Um, they never even share their like love of one another or their relationship with 
Professor De La Fontaine. Like they right. kind of try keep that really under wraps. Like she knows it. She could yeah. kind of smell it in the air, but she just doesn't. She never really comments on it until later on in the book. So they kind of keep it under yeah. wraps. And then something happens. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Um, which I think what we're going to talk about next kind of mm-hmm. goes along with what you were saying with how Della Fontaine was feeling, how Laura was sort of kind of like coming into her territory and she was being jealous about her taking her away from her which is what happens next which is what I think the reason is for what happens next under the school Mm -hmm. I guess yes that makes sense to you Mm -hmm. um so yeah they Della Fontaine it seems like she's trying to sort of bring them in together and starting to break down her barriers a little bit so she brings them under the school to like this area and it ends up being a resting chamber for Della Fontaine's sire whose name is Isis and she's she looks like a corpse laying there um so she explains a little bit to Carmilla and Laura about who she is but she doesn't really go into deep detail but then she has a nerve to ask Carmilla to bleed for her so that she can feed this creepy looking corpse mm-hmm. on the resting chamber Isis and- Okay, so before we go into that, so I don't know if it's like me realizing it now, but is it safe to say that she was always going to use her as like yes. almost like a sacrifice? Yes. You get 100%. Okay. That's why that's why I mean like she she probably felt like what you were saying that Laura was going to take her away. She was probably feeling like shit it's happening. I need to get them down here right away so they can wake my Isis up mm-hmm. yeah because per- like we so throughout the whole book Carmilla always wants to know how the professor came to be you know all her dark secrets and everything because like we said she kept everything really close to her and she didn't she wasn't very forthcoming with any information about her past or how she came about and things like that until Carmilla and Laura both, you know, when Laura finds out about her. And so she feels like she's losing Carmilla. So she has to start mm-hmm. giving her more information about her. Right. Because she knows if she doesn't, she's just going to leave and go for Laura, who's giving her all this attention. So the I feel like she was like, okay, now that you know about me, I was in love before. And the person that I loved left me. And I couldn't find her for years. And for years, I've been searching for her. And then that's why she came to the school. And that's why she's been, you know, roaming under the school for all these years, because she found records about this chamber. And that's where um, Isis has been sleeping this whole, whole time (laughs) for years. And she's been in what like an internal slumber or something like that and there's like a whole story behind that that you'll read in the book we don't have Mm -hmm. to spoil that but yeah like Mm -hmm. there's a whole reason why Isis is there Mm -hmm. and then Della Fontaine finally found her and Mm -hmm. has been kind of sort of coaxing Carmilla 
mm-hmm. into this role of being her bleeder so that she can wake her from mm-hmm. her slumber. And it wasn't that anything was like special about, about Carmilla. It was just, she needed somebody that she could trust. Trust, she yeah. Could mm-hmm. And that would trust her enough to bleed for her previous sire slash yeah, lover, sure. whatever she was. So... And toxic. Then, very toxic. <laughs> and then very. all shit, you know, hits the fan, breaks yep. loose because she does, you know, cut her hand for her and bleeds into the mouth and awakens this vampire who has been sleeping for hundreds of years. So, of course, she's going to wake up crazy and she freaking basically kills <laughs> Flashes her throat. To, to be fair, I honestly think like this was probably her personality before her slumber. She was probably already this crazy. Yeah. But imagine you haven't had blood in yeah. so long and then you taste it. Of course, you're going to be feral. And that's yeah. basically how she was. And unfortunately, Carmilla was in the way. She gets her throat slashed. She's dying. Laura's hysterical. She's like, you have to do something. So then the professor turns her. And now she is a young vampire. Yeah, which is crazy because I feel like Della Fontaine was, she really didn't want to turn her. I don't think that there was no, any I don't point think that was in the story. Yeah, <laughs> she didn't want that at all. And she was super regretful about it, but it was a little too late. But I feel like that's what softens her, too. I know, but damn. But I feel it's... like it softens her, and she gets a little bit of her humanity because of it. Like, you know, being a vampire, you lose that. Like, you, yeah. don't, you don't have, you know, the little good guy on your shoulder telling you, you know, this is wrong. And I yeah. feel like because she had such a strong relationship with Carmilla before this happened and then having to change her because she didn't want her to die that was never the purpose of you know why she entrusted her for all these years so for me I felt like it it kind of awoken like her humanity and it's just like what have I been doing like this is so wrong and I feel like that's why I started to kind of like understand her and then started to even like her a little bit, which was really weird because You're I wild. this whole time I did not like her, but I feel like I, I think re- you're falling for the, the Della Fontaine magic. <laughs> Maybe I am, but I feel like I was able to kind of understand where she was coming from, although the way she went about it was so wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But she was she was infatuated by the person who turned her. She was in love with her. She randomly just left her one day and, you know, hunting her for so many years and then finally finding her. And then she is not what she wanted. <laughs> okay. So then it's like it's like saying sorry after you've been caught. Like you said sorry because you were caught. Mm-hmm. Like so she loved her. And what would you do for love? Anything, right? So then this finally happened and she's like, wow, Isis is actually kind of crazy. I shouldn't have done this. But if she wasn't, you still would have done it. Mm -hmm. 
you know, like crazy. And I think once Carmilla was turned, you know, like up and she's been fed and whatever, I think that's when she started to truly see Della Fontaine for who she really was. And it came slowly still. That's so crazy how that switch for both of them here it is the professor is getting her humanity back and realizing how wrong she's been all these years and how manipulative she is Mm -hmm. and then Carmela is finally seeing the monster the professor is yeah I love that I I enjoy like a complete Mm -hmm. switch and it was that one part it was her changing her dying and then becoming a vampire for both of them to shift their perspectives Mm -hmm. and change their whole trajectory like their whole like relationship yeah I I that's great writing yeah (laughs) they started to pull apart she started to become closer to Laura even though she was already getting closer Mm -hmm. to Laura Mm -hmm. I really like the um the bathtub scene where Laura was like she had gone under the water and um Carmilla was like please don't leave me with her but she didn't tell her that she just no, like said it I was like uh-huh like she was under the water she didn't think she would hear yeah. her so she was she just like whispered it. it please mm-hmm. don't leave me with her I was like don't leave me with her either um, <laughs> <laughs> they're both like please so we can't yeah. leave other kind of thing yeah um, so now we have this crazy vampire on the loose who hasn't had blood in like so many years and she's mm-hmm. causing havoc within the school. The professor yeah. now has to figure out like what she wants to do. Like, you know, does she want this relationship with the person who turned her? Does she want to keep, you know, Carmilla and Laura around? And it's just like a crazy, I feel like the story really picked up towards the end. Yeah. You have this crazy vampire on the loose who's causing havoc, killing some of the girls within the school. So now it's not only uh, killings that are happening, but also their like their identities can be, you know, found out, you know, because she's draining them of their blood. So now questions are going to be, you know, asked about like what animal does that or, you know, what's actually going on. So it's like a lot of craziness that happens in the like last couple chapters, which is yeah. Really mm-hmm. And I I feel like Della Fontaine was still kind of like back and forth in her mind, like like you said, like I still want to be with my sire, like, but she knows that she let loose like this crazy vampire who is starving, and she would still be like, like Laura would say, like, oh, we have to do something, and she would just be like let's just let's just give it time I'll take care of it like so she was still kind of struggling back and forth between like do I save her what do I do I still love her but she truly wasn't understanding that this thing is like killing yeah all over the place but then we also find out why she was so hesitant about like how she was going to stop her and that is because we find out that um Isis is like I will love you and we can be together if you give me Carmilla and you and you know you let me kill her so now she has to decide there's a love that she's always wanted is it worth killing 
someone that you've trusted in the last couple of years of your life. Yeah. And, you know, that was a battle that, you know, she had to do within herself. And mm -hmm. I, I, it was just so good. <laughs> it was so good. I felt like she, she was like truly seeing her, seeing Isis in herself at that point mm -hmm. because of how she was treating Carmilla was the same way she was being treated by Isis. So I think yes. that was kind mm -hmm. of her turning point in this whole story. Mm -hmm. I, think. I don't, I don't want to give any more away. I know there was there's one scene that I like so obsessed with in mm -hmm. the the party scene. Oh yeah, but like I don't want to give it away because if somebody's listening and they still mm -hmm. want to read it, it's a really good scene. Um, and it does have to do a little bit with a dowry of blood, so it's it's almost perfection all the way around. Yeah. and even the end, the end with um a person like it's just it was really really good, and I enjoyed that part of it. Yeah. I don't want to give the ending away. I feel like oh, no, that's fine. We don't have to. Yeah, because I feel yeah. like I feel like where we're leaving off, you know, there's this crazy vampire and there's this choice that has to be made. And even at the very end of the book, there's also another choice that has to be made that Laura has to make for herself. And I feel like yeah. that is so good. Like it was such a yeah. great, greatly and crafted story. We'll talk about it after we're yes. done recording because I like yeah we'll just talk yeah. about it after <laughs> so yeah so this book you get like we love S.T. Gibson's writing it's mm -hmm. almost perfection it's poetic it's something that like sticks with you um but this book is loneliness obsession rivals to lovers you get um a plus size heroine um vampires yeah I think that's it right mm-hmm yeah. So and toxic relationships. So if that's up your alley, <laughs> please check it out because it is very toxic, but mm -hmm. it's really good. Um, I love the just just the different dynamics of relationships and how everything you know turns out for them and the decisions that they make. Um, yeah. it just I I really enjoyed it. So check it out. <laughs> yes, please do. Yes. Um, and we do have some more authors in yes. the lineup. Mm -hmm. Um, we won't talk about it quite yet, but oh, we will yes. post about it as soon as we feel like we're good to post mm -hmm. about it. Um, but yeah, we have a lot of finalized. Yes, things. but we do have authors coming on, and we're really proud of this new chapter of where our podcast is going. And we hope you continue to come on this journey with us. And I hope you're just as excited with some of the authors we're going to have. So fingers yeah. crossed. We were overwhelmed by the number of authors that yes. wanted to come on. So if you're listening and you're one of them, just know we're going through it. We're just yes. kind of taking our time and trying to schedule things. We want to do things right and yeah. to be organized and give you the time that you need as well as the time that we need mm -hmm. to have good episodes yes so yes um so listen out for what authors we're gonna have and all the fun stuff we're gonna be doing <laughs> but yeah this is season three episode 11 we hope you enjoyed it bye bye